Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's Sarah of the Cognitive Canine. This is Cog Dog Radio. Today I'm going to start a series of three episodes covering a dog that I worked with, a Border Collie named Prime. And Prime is the most interesting dog I have ever worked with. And hopefully you understand that that's a pretty big statement for me. Um, When I say interesting, I mean that he is the most complex. His case is the most multi-layered. He brought more challenges to the table than any other dog before him that I've worked with, that any of my colleagues have worked with. I've asked a lot of people a lot of questions about this dog um, over the course of working with him and have consulted basically all my go-to references. Um, He has, he's responsible for a lot of growth and understanding that I now have. So I'm grateful to him and it is going to be difficult to shove his entire story into just three podcasts. So know that it is going to seem intense and complicated and multi-layered and that's because it is and you're probably still only getting a tiny fraction of it. So we're going to get started. Prime is a, like I said, he's a border collie. Um, he is about four years old now and he was two when I met him and two-ish. And the first thing that his human, Heidi, talked to me about was that he attacked the teeter, the seesaw, in agility. And just as kind of a sidebar, the seesaw really can provide us with a lot of information about a dog's emotional state in agility. If you watch dogs do the seesaw, um, I think that you will see a lot about who they are. Certainly training is involved in how they perform the seesaw, but um, dogs that are hesitant, worried about it, flying off the end of it, etc. I think that it takes a great deal of mental composure for a dog to perform the seesaw with just really beautiful accuracy and full full control. They have to have control over themselves in order to have control over the moving board beneath them. Um, and so I think it's one of the reasons teeter problems are so widespread is because it's hard for them mentally to do the teeter. It's not the physically most difficult obstacle out there to do. I think... Uh, Weave pulls and jumping are by far more complicated for them physically, but mentally, I think that the teeter is a tough one. So I think you can learn a lot about a dog regarding just the way that they act around or perform that obstacle. So just an interesting side note. And Prime was full on attacking the thing. And it didn't matter if it was at home or at a trial but he was fully attacking it. And when I say attacking it, he was becoming violent towards it. He was slamming his mouth, full on biting, bloodying himself, attacking it. He would also become aggressive towards 
a person that tried to get him to stop attacking it. So whether or not he redirected, which is kind of a term that means the dog is attacking one thing and something else kind of gets in their way and they proceed to attack it. So whether that's what's happening or sometimes I think redirection is actually a a conscious act by the dog. So to back up, true redirection would be the dog is unaware of what they are doing. They're unaware that they have transferred their aggression from one thing to another. And then I think a lot of the times what it actually is is that the dog is directing his aggression towards a new target that has presented itself, usually out of annoyance or frustration that you're getting in their way of what they're doing, I think. Um, And so whichever one that was, I would be inclined to believe that it was more the latter, that he would... um, He was frustrated or annoyed that the person was trying to take him away from the teeter because his attacking it appeared to me when I saw it to be compulsive in nature. And remember that in dogs, we say compulsive when we mean obsessive compulsive. So if it were a person, we would say obsessive compulsive. Um, The reason we don't say obsessive with dogs is because we can't know for sure if they have obsessive thoughts. So that's, that's why technically would just say compulsive. I think if you've ever lived with a border collie, you definitely know that they have obsessive thoughts, but there's no way for us to actually ascertain that. So we call it compulsive. Um, His attacking of the teeter appeared compulsive in nature, which means he had no control over it. And this is going to be a common theme in talking about prime and something that if you're listening, I would love for you to take away from this is that if a dog has no control over the behavior that he is exhibiting, then it is fruitless to try to ask him to stop. So that's asking him to control a behavior that he has no control over. Okay, so keep that in mind as we go and keep that in mind when, you know, assessing or observing behaviors in any of the other dogs that you work with, yours or anybody else's. If the dog has no control over something, then consequences will not change it, okay? So consequences from outside, from the environment, or from you. I think a really good example, um, and this is another problem that Prime exhibited in agility, another good example is start line stays. Um, A lot of people labeled Prime right off the bat as having a start line problem, Because Heidi would walk him into the ring, set him up, take his leash off, and as soon as she no longer had a physical hold over him, he would shoot off the line and just outrun the entire arena. Um, Sometimes occasionally doing some of the obstacles with her if she ran with him, sometimes not. And most of the people observing kind of said, you know, that's a start line stay problem. And they wanted her to apply some kind of consequence or contingency which isn't a you know isn't an unintelligent training plan if it truly is a choice that the dog is making so a a, sorry a behavior that the dog is choosing to do can be altered by application of consequences whether that's uh positive punishment positive reinforcement um or any of the other 
quadrants. So you could have the dog change that behavior by applying consequences if the dog had control over that behavior. I would argue that Prime neither had control over his attacking of the teeter uh, nor his bursting off the start line. I think they were both um, very heavily emotion-driven and neither one of those behaviors could be controlled by him. Which is why Heidi was unsuccessful to help him stop doing either behavior by applying consequences. And Heidi was never comfortable leaving the ring with Prime when he blew off the start line. And so she never applied that kind of consequence, but she applied a lot of positive reinforcement for stays outside of the ring, which is something that, again, should have had a strong effect on this behavior if the dog had control over it. So if you have been banging your head against the wall trying to change a behavior problem, it's very possible that you need to start talking to yourself about applying or just having a different technique because it's very possible that the operant conditioning standpoint that you are coming from is not working for you because the dog can't control the behavior. Um, so we're going to talk a lot more about classical versus operant conditioning and behavior problems in the next episode when we get into the nitty gritty of what we did with Prime. So I'm just going to continue kind of down my list of things that we addressed with him. So he... Those were kind of his agility-specific behaviors. He would blow off the start line, run around jumps, kind of run around the whole arena, and he would attack the teeter-totter. Very frustrating for Heidi. He's an extremely fast dog, so a start line is vital um, in a lot of situations. I think if anybody can handle him without a start line, it's probably her. But he would run past the jumps in this explosion off the start line. So if you're not taking the jumps in front of you, it doesn't really um, help to have a handler that can that can run and can handle. So, and then because of his problems with the seesaw, she couldn't run him in standard, even though he has this really beautiful running dog walk and running A-frame. So very frustrating. Um, at home things were even more complex and multi-layered. And this is something that I find out a lot, you guys. People come to me with dogs that have agility-specific behavioral issues, and we start to talk about the dog's home life, and we start to really get, really get into how the dog is at home. We start to uncover, you know, all kinds of different things. So he definitely had some compulsive behaviors at home, primarily um, digging when he was very stressed. And um, a lot of his behaviors were kind of directed at the other dogs in the household and basically just trying to control them. So um, a lot of Border Collies have what I would call anxiety that is control-centered. So meaning that, and not just Border Collies, you guys. When I say Border Collies, Put any other dog that is kind of, you know, an obsessive type herding dog into that category and it'll probably fit. Um, they, they have this control-centered anxiety, which means that they hate chaos and that controlling things soothes them and makes them feel better. Um, so when I would go to let her other dogs outside the chaos of those dogs kind of running at the door would cause Prime to want to kind of 
dart in there and make the chaos stop. So he never hurt any of them. Um, and he never hurt Heidi either for that matter. <laughs> but his displays were still concerning and his displays were concerning to the other dogs as well as the people in the household. So he would just do a lot of control freak stuff at the other dogs. If you guys live with border collies and multiple dog households, you've probably seen it. You know, we call them the fun police. The other dogs are playing and they get in there and do a cheap shot, right? They're, they're saying chaos bothers me and making chaos stop makes me feel good. So it's a simple solution for them. Um, so that was something that was going on. He, you know, more interesting and complex than that stuff is that prime, some of Prime's coping mechanisms involved um, hiding really chronically. So he would hide under the bed, he would hide in a cabinet, he would hide between a piece of furniture and the wall. Um, the, pl the places that the dog has squeezed himself into are pretty astonishing. Um, and, you know, having stayed in a hotel room with him and seen him shove himself into, you know, tiny little spaces in the hotel room, he really can find a place to squeeze his body into anywhere. And I think that this stems from basically a place of him dealing with too much sensory input and kind of needing to make it stop. So it's a little bit like if you, you have these hard days and you want to get in bed and just put the blanket over your head. <laughs> um, it's just making it stop. It's making sensory input stop. As well as the tight space situation um, being helpful to him, I feel comes from a place of, you know, compression being soothing for some of these dogs. So that's where the T-Touch compression wrap or the Thunder shirt um, or any of those kinds of products can be really helpful for anxious dogs. And I think that the hiding is kind of the same thing. And Prime does really like to wear clothes. He... He loves to wear clothes. I Most dogs that I see wearing any clothing item are just kind of doing it to appease their person. And some of them are completely mortified that they're wearing anything. Um, Prime will put himself in the sweater if you're holding it. And he can become aggressive if you try to take it off. So he really, he likes to wear stuff. Um, and I think that, again, comes from that place of liking compression. So because he was hiding, he would also he also developed some aggression towards his owners when they would try to move him from A to B. So any transition always hard for him. So from hiding out of hiding, from inside to outside, from outside to inside, from the car to the house, from the house to the car, from the training field to the car, from the training field to the house. These were all these were all problem places for him. So for example, he was on the training field, they were done training, Heidi needed to take him in the house. He would frequently go hide under the van. Um, she, if she, And if she tried to pull him out, he'd become aggressive. And so he had a lot of issues with just transition points. And he, you know, certainly had issues with, with trying, with being removed from hiding, which if anything feels compelled to hide, removing them from their hiding spot is obviously going to create some conflict. So he also would become aggressive. One of his other triggers would um, 
is simply confusion. And some examples of confusing events to prime would be pointing. So pointing is a really natural human behavior. It doesn't exist in a lot of other species. So pointing um, isn't necessarily something, you know, like if you point at a ball and say, and say, get that to your dog. Your dog has probably figured out that means that a game's about to play and that's great and they grab the ball and it's good to go. Prime finds pointing confusing as most dogs do to begin with. They just kind of figure us out because they're amazing at that. Prime says, I'm not picking up the slack for you. You need to make it clear what you mean by something or I will become confused. And if I become confused, I may become aggressive. And so pointing was a trigger for him. Just anytime you're pointing at something. And this kind of stems from, through Heidi and I's uh, conversations, we discovered this really stems from early kind of clicker training attempts. Um, Prime loves clicker training. He's He loves throwing out behaviors. He's very good at it. But if Heidi wasn't sure how to progress something and she wanted him to move to a spot or interact with a, an item, she might point at it. Um, specifically some work with her two on two off had some pointing and therefore I think the teeter may be involved in this pointing problem but his aversion to pointing was actually quite serious to the point where they really had a rule about pointing in the house that she and her husband just didn't point at stuff (laughs) in an attempt to not be um, aggressed at by prime. Uh, verbal cues could sometimes be a trigger for him if he didn't understand what they meant. Um, admittedly, training verbals is not Heidi's strong point. She knows that. She's worked hard on it. Um, because of that, Prime could become could become aggressive or hide or just generally be triggered by being given a verbal cue that he didn't understand. Um as well as just any pattern that Prime perceived always needed to be seen to completion. So an example is, you know, if Heidi would go in to brush her teeth, she would let him watch her and he w- she would give him a toy. And, you know, one day there was no toy in the bathroom when she went to brush her teeth and he basically lost his mind because the pattern had not been seen to completion. He is given a raw bone every evening at, to chew on, as something that I recommend for all dogs, and he doesn't chew on it. He's given it in an X-Pen, he does not chew on it. If you don't give it to him, he becomes triggered. He can become aggressive, he can hide, um, he becomes very agitated, he might dig, which is one of his compulsive behaviors. Um, if just if you don't follow the routine. So anything that's a pattern or a routine that is not seen to completion, that will trigger prime as well. So, you know, thinking of how often you follow every routine to the letter and how often you don't might give you an idea of how tough it was becoming to live with this dog. Um, speaking of when I mentioned the brushing of the teeth, that's because Another one of Prime's things is he was a compulsive water biter. So a lot of Border Collies, once again, will compulsively bite at water. It's one of these behaviors that sets itself up to become compulsive in nature because every time they bite the water, it produces a splash. 
and then they bite the next splash and so on. And it just becomes this cycle and they actually can't stop themselves. And dogs have been killed um, from water toxicity by doing this. And so, so it's that serious that they actually can't stop themselves. Again, that's the definition of a compulsive behavior. A dog is compelled to do it. They can't disengage willingly. And so that's something that Heidi worked really hard on. And so one of the things that she would do is just manage water in the household. So if she was going to brush her teeth, he would get it. He would just hold a toy, which is a soothing thing for him. Um, so those are the things that we're going to talk about with Prime. So let's talk about where we started. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that I start with everybody on the four steps of behavioral wellness. And so the first thing that we're talking about, which is step one, is exercise. When I started to ask Heidi about Prime's exercise routine, it became clear to me that the only off-leash running time he ever had was on the agility field. And before you go thinking she's a bad person, because she's not, that's extremely common. It's extremely common for agility dogs. She, at her house, she, you know, she has a large property, but she had kind of a, a fenced potty yard area for the dogs. And then she had an unfenced, um, big agility area. And then she also has a pasture. So, um, and then she has, she has kind of a separate fenced yard that she's uncomfortable with the dogs being in unsupervised for a few reasons. So, he was never just kind of turned out in a yard, loose by himself, and he was taken on walks on leash, plenty, uh, but not a lot of off-leash hiking or running around. And so when I suggested the idea of the decompression walk to Heidi, when I suggested that she take him into her back pasture, she had a huge amount of space to deal to work with. Um, where she lives definitely presents challenges for walking around in a field. Most of the year there's going to be uh, ticks and other parasites are going to be an issue. And so, you yeah, that's why she walked her dogs in town on concrete most of the time. She didn't want to come home covered in ticks all the time. I understand that. So during a kind of downtime in the season, she finally took him on a long line and a harness out in her pasture. She, he was still on a long line, not because she thought he would leave, um, but because, A, she thought he there was a chance he might chase the horses, and that, because she does have horses out there, and B, she thought there was a big chance he would roll in horse poop. So, and that's definitely, definitely a, a concern <laughs> um, if you've got dogs in a horse pasture. So, and in fact, the dog would say, yes, why would you not roll in it, eat it, it's glorious. Um, and so she took him on a harness and a long line out into the pasture. And my, I, my explicit instructions were no food, no toys. This is a dog that's obsessed with working. I want him to go relax. I want him to go be a dog. And he couldn't. They, I, she called me so frustrated because she says he just stared at me and walked backwards the entire time. And... Here's the problem, you guys. We do this all the time. I'm seeing it happening as we speak on Facebook. People who 
are not clients of mine who I'm friends with, um, who I don't even know. I mean, you guys know how Facebook works. <laughs> um, I have a lot of, quote, Facebook friends that I've never met. And I'm seeing it happening left and right. They've got these lovely border collie puppies, most of them from sport uh, kennels, most of them from sport breeders. And they're posting video after video after video of training their puppies. And I hope, but I don't know, but I hope that the puppies are also learning what it's like to, you know, run around in some dirt and grass and put their feet in a river and yes, run around with some other dogs and, you know, yes, roll in horse poop. (laughs) Okay. I, it's important to me that dogs get to express their dogness. I think it's vital to their mental health. And what we do is we get these dogs that are designed by, you know, selective breeding to want to train all the time. And so then that's what we do with them. We train them all the time. And Heidi, very excited about her first Border Collie, did a lot of training and it was really rewarding because he learns really fast and he's very smart and he has a wider array of tricks than probably than most of the dogs that I know and he loves doing tricks and he loves doing agility he just he had no idea though how to go on a walk in a pasture and so that was the first time and over time Heidi has really come to see how vital just off-leash running is and she has found some good places and now all of her dogs get a lot of off-leash running around time. She now very much sees as well how important it is to Prime's mental health specifically. She sees immediate behavior changes if his exercise quota is not met. He also, I've been on hikes with him, and he can run up and down a mountain and not stare obsessively at his person the whole time. He can run around with other dogs. Um, he can. He If something is stressing him, though, he will revert. So another dog, one of my dogs, was bothering him on a hike that we were on, and he started to bite at water a little bit in the river. And that was a backsliding. That was him needing to cope and therefore biting at the water, as opposed to biting at the other dog. So understanding that anytime there's a problem behavior, there's a problem emotion behind it. Okay, the dog's not okay if they're if they're doing things like that. So, you know, we kind of made it stop, called the other dog off, got away from the water, moved on with our lives. Turned out okay. Um, but now Prime gets a good amount of off-leash exercise. And in fact, whenever Heidi travels because she travels a lot for agility, she the first thing she's always doing is okay, where can we do an off-leash hike? She's always looking around. She's always stopping um, in the middle of her driving days to get out and walk off leash. She will find a place to walk the dogs anywhere that she is. She's very dedicated to it. Um, And then, so our next little piece is enrichment. And usually I have people feed their dogs out of puzzle toys for for a good piece of their enrichment um, plan. Prime presents another challenge here, not that we're surprised, but when I met him, he really didn't eat. And 
when I say that, I mean, he would actually go days without eating. He was actually underweight. He would take food from you and spit it out. Um, he would eat little bits of cheese during clicker training, and that was pretty much what he wanted to eat. And it was difficult to get him to eat his dog food. He was obviously eating enough to stay alive, was obviously not starving to death, but was underweight. And so if you put food in a puzzle toy, there he would look at that and say, well, that's, I have no use for that. I have no need for that in my life. Um, he saw no point in trying to get the food out of the puzzle toy, so he just wouldn't do it. Um, we're going to talk later about why he will eat now um, in the next episode, but <laughs> suffice it to say, puzzle toys were not really a thing. So what we did instead was he would have a raw bone. When he was given food, um, it would be scattered in the bottom of a crate as opposed to put in a bowl. Um, sometimes, you know, that depended as well. But basically, I let this one slide. Um, I said, you know, let's just do enough training sessions that his brain is getting soothed. I still believe some good puzzle toy work would be great for Prime. And it's probably something that needs to be reattempted now that he does eat. Um, and he can, you know, he can do some level of puzzle toy, cookie search types of games now, but it was basically a no-go. And so, um, we allowed the exercise and the training that needed to be taken, that needed to take place to do a large part of that work. Um, and so our next area is nutrition and... At this, at the time of this recording, he is on a prey model type, um, not not totally prey model type, fresh raw diet that Heidi makes. Um, she actually consulted a nutritionist and has a formula, and he eats a raw diet. He will occasionally eat kibble if they're on the road, um, but again, he's picky about what he'll eat. Some days he will only eat kibble. Some days he'll eat his raw. It's He's, he's a tough one in that area. So I would say switching foods was not a major piece for Prime. Getting him to eat anything at all was the major piece for Prime. And again, we're going to talk about why he eats now um, in the next episode. So, so make sure and come back. Um, and the final piece is communication. So working very hard at training some clear verbal cues. So tough for Heidi, right? So working very hard at training some clear verbal cues that meant go from A to B. So, so I, we would literally, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more detail about this later, but again, next episode, <laughs> but asking him to go from one spot to another was a big one. Asking him to go get on a bench, asking him to go get in his crate or his X-Pen, asking him to come and perform a nose target, so basically a lot of stationing, a lot of targeting. So training a lot of cues that could be used to move him from A to B when that was necessary. Um, as well as just letting him hide. Anytime he's hiding, he's just allowed to hide. You just leave him alone. And miraculously, the hiding is much less now than it was. Um, as well as, you know, Heidi was 
already aware and already transitioning towards um, positive only kind of based training. So no like verbal corrections, but she would certainly still kind of backslide. So helping her to give him cues as opposed to tell him no or tell him don't do that. She saw early on that it wasn't doing anything for her anyway. So <laughs> she wasn't really being super corrective with Prime at the time that, by the time I got into the picture, she had already seen that that wasn't helping her. Um, but some other people had suggested, you know, grabbing his collar, putting him in a timeout, things like that. And all of those things are just eliciting aggression from him. So not smart to be doing. And just so you guys know, no matter who the expert is, I don't care if it's me, I don't care if it's, you know, a veterinary behaviorist. I don't, I don't care who it is. If they tell you to do something and it causes your dog to be aggressive or afraid, stop. Don't do it again. Call them. Tell them what happened. If they won't give you another plan, you need a new professional. Okay. People who are not willing to budge, who are not willing to adjust as they go, in my opinion, have no business helping you with with your dog. Um, Heidi, you know, ha has been very frustrated. I'm not the only professional that she's needed to seek, um, which we're going to talk a little bit more about. But, and not that I always told her the right thing either. Sometimes I would tell her something, it wouldn't go great. The difference is I always adjusted my plan if it didn't go well if she was doing it the right way. You know, sometimes we don't live anywhere near each other and we never have. So sometimes things get lost in translation over the internet, over the phone. And so if she, if, if it wasn't an execution error, then it was a plan error and it needed to be changed. And it happened all the time because Prime is complex. He's a very interesting dog. Um, the rules, the books, he didn't read any of those. He doesn't know any of those. <laughs> um, and so we would always adjust the plan if we needed to. And that was that, that last piece, that last step to behavioral wellness is communication. So helping Heidi communicate effectively with Prime, which never involved corrections, always involved giving him clear cues that had been previously trained with positive reinforcement. Um... Okay, so that's <laughs> that's prime number one. So this is the stuff that we're gonna be talking about. The next time that I put out, uh, when I put out prime part two, we're gonna talk about what we actually did to help him. So we're gonna go through the agility specific stuff as well as the household stuff and the nitty gritty. It might wind up being a pretty long podcast, I'm not sure. If I need to break it into two, I will <laughs> because I think he's really interesting and I think it's important for you guys to hear about this case. So I hope you'll join us next time. If you have any questions about Prime um, and you want to shoot me an email, send me one at cogdogradio at gmail.com. You can be sure to check out the other podcasts as well as my blog on www.thecognitivecanine.com. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next time.